In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. Man, Nicole, the response to your essential pelvic strengthening course. Holy cow. Pretty good so far. And pretty good. Hold on. Like 125 people like signed up for it on day one. I know you guys, but I still have anxiety about it until because the registration's still open. So this week is the last week to register. Yeah, when does your anxiety go away? Is it because then people get it? It's in their hands. Is it when you start getting feedback? Is yeah, it... it's when as soon as it. I know it's really like live and actually in your guys's hands. It's like I said before in the podcast. That's kind of like at the point when I've thrown the ball up as the center ref, and it's is what it is. Like at that point, right now, I'm just like I have to stop all urges to go and redo something or, oh my gosh, what are they going to say about that? I didn't really like that module because it wasn't like 100% perfect. And I'm trying really hard to just like... By 100%, we're talking like 99.9%. You're like, you know, I think I said an um in there once. And she's like, should I re-record the entire four-hour thing? No, <laughs> you should not go that's and really re-record. How I am. So that's what goes on in my brain right now, where until... It's like actually there where I can respond to stuff and all that kind of stuff. Then I, I like it. it when we start getting the uh, responses starting to flow back in. When people start completing the course surveys and you start getting the like, oh my gosh, this changed my practice. I tried this on a patient and it was incredible. Like that's when it starts to be really cool on my side because I don't see any of the the lead up to that. I just see people starting to fill out those like post course surveys and it's like, oh, this is pretty oh, cool. She, oh, she did a good job. <laughs> she, she might know what she's talking about. Oh, geez. Anyway, so right now it's like in the anxiety producing mode. But still. guys, that course is still open. If you want to join, it is going to be so much fun. Nicole's doing some cool group stuff in there that she's never tried before in a course that could be awesome or could flop. Yeah, I actually really don't know. I think it's going to be a really cool, cool thing. We're going to like crowdsource some information so that people that have access to the course who've gone through the same material can really like interact with each other and get ideas from each other. Because, you know, I think one of the challenges with this course is that, you know, if you really start to think about like, oh, well, what should you do now? It's like, well, that's like what you should do as a pelvic PT. So it's hard for me to really like hone stuff in. And so this is like an area where we can like be creative and bounce ideas off of each other within the course without there being like another place for that to happen. Without it being like you said, protocol based. That's always the challenge with this is you're trying to teach people how to think and not just, oh, here's a list of exercises because you're saying with the right training, with the right way to think about it, everything can be 
a pelvic floor exercise. Yes. Everything is a possibility for your patients. Well, if everything is a possibility and the whole thing is like use all of your PT degree or OT degree or whatever it is to make this happen for somebody, then you by definition can't have an exhaustive list. You have to have principles and then apply them according to your ethos. Right. And then that's when it gets really cool to see like what everybody else takes from it and how they're applying the information. So I hope that that is going to be a fun thing to do, but it's the first time I'm doing that in a course. So we'll see. Moving together, Pelvic PT 2.0. Nicole, one of the things that's in here that I feel like you have downplayed or take for granted, I don't know what this is, but I was listening to the recordings of the course as we're starting to go through it and edit and upload and all that. I feel like the standing assessment stuff that you talk about is going to blow people's minds. And you just act like it. Give me a second here. You just act like it is what everybody is doing all the time. And then I ask you about it or I think about back to our people. Like we've never had somebody we hired at Public Sanity come in and be like, oh, yeah, I'm doing standing assessments all the time. You've never had somebody who came into Public Sanity. You're like, actually, you're doing too many standing assessments. <laughs> right. Right. And yet you act like this is something that like everybody is doing or should be doing, should be thinking about, like, give me the rationale because I feel like you're like really bearing the lead. I feel like that's one of the huge things about this course. Yes. And really, we thought about doing this as a masterclass and ended up being that there was actually too much information around all of it that I didn't want to distill it down into a short masterclass like we did for the down training one. So we're putting it in here. And I think it is really important. And I guess my answer is that, yeah, I do take it for granted because I had a mentor at the beginning that just did this all the time. So I've never known anything different, which is one plug for mentorship and asking people questions and learning from people that are well beyond your years. I mean, peer-to-peer groups are great, but Man, if you have somebody that's really experienced and shares your same ethos and stuff, that's, that can be where it's a game changer. So yeah, my mentor just did this all the time. And actually, ironically, she didn't really necessarily do standing assessments all the time, but she was always test retesting and testing in different positions. That's really what standing assessment, standing public floor assessment in our vernacular really means is it's a catch-all for like functional position assessment. Right. So this is quadruped. It's during exercise. It's as you're implementing as something that's going to activate the pelvic floor. It's like, let me actually see how this person's pelvic floor is responding to that new perturbation or demand or load. And then you can actually feel what the heck is going on. And I can tell you, I have never been so fooled sometimes when I do a standing assessment, like people are fooling the shit out of you guys thinking that, oh, they probably look pretty good doing that. And then you freaking put your finger in and they're just like, whoa, what the hell is going on with the pelvic floor? Like, I don't even understand what you're doing, which actually is really difficult. We're going to talk about the things of maybe what with the barriers to do a standing assessment. One of the things is that it's not, I mean, it's not super easy. So because it, you end up by – you are like connected to that person while they're moving. So sometimes you can't see from a bird's eye view what's actually happening in real time as you're assessing the pelvic floor. So it ends up being two components. It ends up being the component when you're looking at the movement and then you have to combine that with what you actually feel and then you have to 
see what you want to do from there. But I've never been more fooled like with that. I want to get into that, but t- walk me back for a second. Not being a pelvic PT, is this something that we would all say, we would all as a pelvic health field, is that something we would all say like should be being done? Like we should be assessing the pelvic floor in these functional positions, not just standing, but quadruped, bridging, kneeling, squats, all of that stuff. Is that something if we like took a poll, an anonymous poll of everybody, would people say, oh, absolutely, it would be really important to see what the body's doing in this functional space? Or is that something we would have to convince people of? And you'd have to be like, you know, I know this wasn't taught in Herman Wallace 1, but Mm. here are all the reasons that you should be taking a look at this and actually assessing what their pelvic floor is doing in these functional things instead of just on the table. Like, would that be an argument or is that like 95% of people would raise their hands and be like, yes, we should be doing that. I mean, I hope that it would be not an argument. I think, I mean. Well, give me the argument for those. If it, Even if it is 95-5, give me like the three sentence argument for like we should be figuring out like what's going on while we're doing things. Give you the argument for it, like oh, why this is good. Yeah, yeah. Like, so if I'm a like, if I'm a PT who's just been to pelvic floor one and I've been doing what we're talking about, the isolated strength approach, and you just blew my mind and said, "Hey, we should be doing a standing assessment." I'm like, "Well, wait a second. Why should we be doing a standing assessment or a functional position assessment?" I would be like, "Because that's how the person's functioning, and you, it's not the same." Like the action of the pelvic floor is just like straight up not the same when you're lying on your back. So you have to get them up. You just have to. And you have to feel. This actually, I don't even know if you know where this I'm going to go, but this is actually where I feel like non-internal women's health or pelvic health PTs really miss the boat, frankly. Even the smartest of the smart of the smart, there are so many times when I'm fooled because I'm actually feeling what's going on. So I just feel like you have to. And if it's in an area that we can't see, then we have to feel. And like, it's that simple. We can't see what the pelvic floor is doing. Therefore, we have to feel what it's doing. So the analogy would be then like a traditional ortho PT having you do exercise, but closing their eyes and not actually watching you do it. Right. It's like you can't do that. You can't like close your eyes and have somebody do a squat in front of you and be like, oh, actually, you need to put the weight a little bit more on your feet or in the middle of your foot instead of at the ball of your foot or whatever you're going to say. Like you wouldn't do that any other place. So I don't know why we're trying to pretend like that's an okay thing to do for the pelvic floor. Like I get that there's some people that don't want a patient that doesn't want an internal assessment, of course, like I always have to, it's so annoying that I have to say this, but like, of course, I'm not advocating that you make somebody do a pelvic floor assessment if they don't want one. But what I am saying is that it's a freaking really big part of our expertise and it's a unique part of our assessment. So why the hell aren't we doing it more? Yeah. And if you are a physical therapist, and you say you do pelvic floor work and you don't actually do internal assessments, that's a whole nother fucking podcast because that gets me freaking fired up. Well, then talk to me then, though. <laughs> you were like, and let's yeah, leave let's that. Yeah, let's get that one away because we don't want this <laughs> one to be getting, like, like angry. 97 right. minute long podcast, most of which has to be bleeped out. Right. So let's, let's <laughs> maybe move back. away from that one. Reel it in, Nicole. <laughs> so I guess this is where like, again, not understanding anything, just like asking the next logical question. If as a field, everyone would agree 
that it should be done, that we get more information from it, that we would never, you know, not assess how people are moving in any other orthosphere or anything else, then why isn't it done? And that, I think, yeah. is the interesting question because that leads to that there are there have to be some barriers Tons to barriers. actually doing it. And first is like, like when is it even taught? Like, how would well, you learn this if you if you didn't have a mentor who, not even just a mentor, but a mentor who actually believes and treats this way, which has got to be a small minority of people out there you could possibly be mentored by who would have that. So, like, I think your answer is always like, it should just be in public floor one. And maybe public floor one just needs to be like a week long, like it used to be back when Kathy Dude, Wallace and Holly Herman actually did cool it. cool would that be? <gasps> pelvic floor one with like a week? Did we just have an idea? Yeah, were you just like, Holy crap, yeah, not trying so to cram cool. everything in? Well, now they're just doing everything on Zoom. So you could do it for however long. It wouldn't even matter. Holy crap, that would be pretty crazy. Anyways, but the bottom line, right, is that I think that if this were a multiple choice test where the question was, should functional positioning be a part of your pelvic floor exam? I feel like we would all say, look, oh, absolutely. I think that would be 100%. And then, but then when it actually comes down to how many of you actually do it on a daily basis frequently in both the evaluation and the reassessments, and every single time that you change something to somebody's, change something, change to some, something in some, wow. Easy for you to say. Are you trying change to Change something to somebody's program. Okay. okay. I'm with you. Right. Then it's like, then we should add that in too, right? Like a test retest. So I feel like there, that is where the big disconnect is. And that's where some of the, you call them barriers, I'll say excuses would be. Okay. And so just as a baseline, because there probably are some people for whom it's not the most important thing or it's not the top priority. Like of your people who are with you, commit to a plan of care or coming in, like what percentage, just give me a approximation of how many of your patients are getting some sort of this standing quadruped, bridging, kneeling, whatever it is, functional point, assessment. I don't know, like 85 to 90%. Okay. So just about everybody. It's like should be pretty rare if you have a reason not to. Yeah, totally. Okay. Okay. So that's kind of our baseline then. So what are, I say the barriers, you say the excuses. What do you feel like those are for folks? I feel like one of them is that just you're never, you're not trained in it. So you're not comfortable and confident. Um, and this is actually something that I would highly encourage you all to think about. You know, some of the pioneers in our field weren't taught either, and they were just more bold at just doing stuff, just making a connection with patients, knowing that we had the foundation to do stuff, and then be like, hey, let me try this. And I'll tell you that somebody didn't come do, even though I had a mentor, it's not like she took me through every single position ever used. She was like, here's how you do it in standing. And then it's like, oh, well, that means you can do it in lunging and, you know, squatting and pretend jumping and standing on one leg and during my exercises and in bridging. And then she was like, yeah, I can show you a couple of things. And it was like, perfect. Off to the races I go. So I feel like that is just because you've never been trained in it doesn't mean that you can't do it. Now, I do feel like you have to have been trained in internal assessment and then you use the skills that you learn in internal assessment and then just move them 90 degrees and there you go. So 
just confidence to use your knowledge, use your expertise, use your brain, and confidence in the rapport that you have built with the patient, right? I think that's one of the other barriers, right, is that you think that potentially if you breach broach this subject that you're going to get met with, well, that's just super weird. I'm not doing that. And I mean, a lot of times things are only weird if we make them weird. So now there's some people that that would be too much, right? Too early. You have to be careful about when you do that. But you can probably all right now think of patients that are like, oh my gosh, she would let me do anything. Or, oh, she's totally cool. No trauma, no nothing, like just wants to get better any way that she can. And you would even probably know some patients that would be like, yeah, you know, that person might be apprehensive at first, but like, yeah, we could get down with that. Like we could get there together kind of a thing. And I think that that is just another area that that don't assume somebody is going to be opposed to it unless you ask them hey, what do you think about having me feel what your pelvic floor is doing and standing? This is what it would look like. And have them say, then you watch. You just watch them and be like, if they're like, oh, yeah, cool, totally makes sense. And if they're like, what? This is weird enough for me. Oh, my gosh, da, da, da. Then, right, then you can just not bring it up again. You can try to bring it up again at a different time. Like, at that point, it just is your clinical judgment on you and your patient, the rapport you have with them. And, but again, it, people only think it's weird if you make it weird. This is the thing I feel like that we don't understand necessarily about people who aren't in the pelvic health field all the time is like, I, as a patient have no idea what to expect when I come in for an evaluation. So if you tell me it's important to do this and you really believe that, then I'm going to say yes, because I want my burning scrotal pain to go away. <laughs> totally. Well, and, you know, again, this is not something that we're doing necessarily in the first visit, right? It is it is after you've built a relationship with somebody. I will agree. I've done it quite a bit on the first first sessions sometimes, but I've also definitely decided to wait, and that is fine. But the cool thing is, is that you can pre-frame things for people too. It's like if you sense a little bit of apprehension or you're, they're kind of freaked out <laughs> just at the very beginning, it's a little overwhelming for them, you can sense that, then you can decide whether or not you want to bring it up at all, whether or not. Sometimes it does actually help to kind of the same thing with rectal, which is what I teach in the rectal course, right? Which is you just sort of bring it up. You bring it up very matter of fact. And then you can say something like, we can decide together if and when that ever becomes a part of what we do here with you. But, you know, I just feel like that does need to be on the checklist of things that you're thinking about versus something that you would decide to add in once somebody isn't better or something like that. That's definitely more of a fundamental thing to consider versus an afterthought. Well, and a couple other things, right? I think that brings into that it's fundamental. That might be that people aren't prioritizing it because like you said, you start to just get caught assuming. I mean, even to this day, sometimes I'm like, oh, shoot, we haven't done a standing assessment with you, right? And it's like, oh, no, I don't think so. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, 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 we got to backtrack here. Like, what is happening? Again, like I've never been more fooled sometimes by somebody by the not doing this assessment. Like you do it and you're like, what in the hell is happening? And what does it mean to be fooled? Like what are the implications of you giving somebody something, you assume the pelvic floor is doing one thing, but you actually check it's doing completely different things. 
what would be the, I guess, the consequence of that? Or, or what does it mean to be fooled and they're going home and doing something that you don't really want them doing or doing wrong? Or what does that actually mean? Yeah. I mean, it means that there's like, they're doing something funky with their timing of their activation pattern or with their breathing. And, and also you could have been telling them to do it perfect. They could have been doing it perfect the, the first time. And then you ask them and assess them to do it again, that second visit that after that you've given them the exercises and you're like, what? Uh, you were good to go. You were good to go. I think we've all seen that just with exercises in general, where you're like, sh- that's why I'm always a big fan of like, hey, show me your, you know, even like a squat stretch or something. And you're like, you were doing it fine here. I gave you the picture. There's literally a picture on your phone. And how in the world are you doing that from what we did last time? And so, yeah, I mean, especially when, again, remember you guys, people are learning new tasks. They're learning new things with their pelvic floor. And so it might be great when they're getting immediate feedback from you in the session and then they go home and yeah, they're going to lose a little bit. So you've got to recheck it. And if you assessed in standing, you got to recheck in standing. This isn't just like, oh, magically everyone's pelvic floor just like works. Literally, we wouldn't have a job if it was that easy. Yeah, so I feel like that's another like interesting sort of phenomenon that happens. Okay, so what do you want people to take away from this kind of conversation about, we call them standing, but really functional, any kind of off the table, doing something functional kind of assessments? Like what's the takeaway for people who are listening? The takeaway is just that if you're already doing it, then I want you to do a little self-assessment be like, are you doing it as often as you should? And if you aren't doing it consistently, ask yourself, like, do you feel like you have a good enough internal pelvic floor knowledge to just try it with some of your most open and the patients that you have the best rapport with first and just see how it's what it's like? There have been many of times when I have ended up like laughing so hard with one of my patients because they'll say something like, I don't feel like I can squat with you like that right now. I'm just like, well, can you just try? And then she's like, no. And I was like, oh, okay, well, let me get out. And like, let me just see, like, what do you feel like is weird about it? She's like, I don't know. I feel like you're in my way. Like, cool. Let me try it from this angle. So really the takeaway is not, if not, if not, you just need to take the essential pelvic strengthening course. Let's be real, Nicole. (laughs) Instead of just (laughs) going and trying. No, we do want everybody to feel confident in doing stuff. But that is, if that's something that you know, if you would agree with those statements, right? Agreeing that it should be done and we should be looking at that stuff in the functional way. And you're not feeling really knowledgeable and confident about how to do it. It's something just important to like recognize that there's a discrepancy there and figure that out. This course is one way to figure it out. If you've got a mentor who's doing it all the time, that's one way to figure it out. If trial and error is how you want to figure it out, that's another way to figure it out. Like all of those are things. But I think what we're seeing, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nicole, is there is this discrepancy between what we would all say should be done and what is actually being done. And I think that's one of the things that you're always kind of looking at this field as a whole and saying, hey, where are the things where we're not living up to our beliefs? Totally. And I think, you know, I've heard people say too, like, oh, well, I don't really even know how to, like, what would I even objectively, what am I even looking for, right? They're just like, what am I even feeling for? And I was like, well, that is a little bit difficult. We're going to go over that stuff. But I mean, at the end of the day, sometimes you're just feeling for weird shit happening. 
you know, you're feeling for a bulge in a place that you didn't think that was going to be there. You're looking for inefficiencies of movement. You're looking for areas where something should be lifting and it's not. You're looking for side to side discrepancies of things. Like you're just looking for a lot of different stuff. And sometimes you don't know exactly what you're looking for until you feel it. And then you're like, oh, what it? what is that? That's freaking weird. And then you deconstruct what that could be happening based on what is. I love how when you try to put like an hour long lecture into like 45 seconds and you're like, yeah, just like all this stuff that sounds super complex and really difficult and <laughs> <laughs> takes all this nuance. Just try that. But that is, I think, something really interesting how we're just looking at areas where where's the gap between between how we're actually practicing and how we believe should be practicing. So guys, if you are interested, the Essential Pelvic Strengthening course is open for the next week. This is the last week it's going to be open for this. Bonuses, as you guys all know, for those of you guys who do something for us for the first time. So going through this first cohort, it's $50 off. There's a payment plan. There's a live Q&A. There's this cool group stuff that Nicole is going to be trying in there. But really just so excited and honestly so thankful for all of you guys who have written in and said, you know, this is something that you've really been looking for. And talking about Pelvic PT 2.0, where it's not about just isolated strength anymore. And I think that's going to be so much fun for those of you guys who are able to do it. Um, if it's the right course, but not the right time, we totally understand. But we would love to have as many of you guys who want to go through that, with this first group. I think it's going to be so much fun, so much energy, so much just, I don't know, excitement about just getting better. It's cool. Using our brains. Using our freaking brains. It's going to be fun. All right, guys. Well, as always, we want to hear back from you. If you have questions about any of this, if you have questions about standing assessment, let us know. Email Nicole, shoot her a DM. We always want to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise. 